We know you have lots of questions. If you think that you've developed symptoms. Should I avoid large public gatherings? Whether schools should be closed. Welcome to Common Sense. Here we address your questions about COVID-19 with interviews featuring experts in medicine and leaders in community, public, and global health. Here's your host, Dr. Ted O'Connell. Welcome to the podcast, COVID-19, Common Sense Conversations on the Coronavirus Pandemic. I'm your host, Dr. Ted O'Connell. My guest today is Kevin Pierre-Lewis, a linebacker for the Washington Redskins in the National Football League and a seven-year veteran of the league. Kevin was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks in the fourth round of the 2014 NFL Draft after playing college football at Boston College. Kevin started all 13 games for the Boston College Eagles as a true freshman and eventually started 44 games during his college football career. After his senior season, he was named first team All-ACC. Prior to college, Kevin was selected as the 2009-2010 Gatorade Football Player of the Year for the state of Connecticut. As we've been creating these podcast episodes, we focused on the science of COVID-19, as well as the healthcare implications of the pandemic. We've also been looking at various industries and professions to hear how they are being affected by the pandemic. We have previously spoken with a sports medicine physician, and today is an opportunity to focus on athletics at multiple levels. My guest today asked me to make it clear that our goal is to share and exchange information and not just to focus on the plight of professional athletes. Kevin very kindly told me that he does not at all want to diminish or disrespect the significant difficulties of those who have been so deeply affected by the pandemic. And I personally want to thank you, Kevin, for being so thoughtful about this and for sharing your time with our audience. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our audience about yourself besides the background that I've provided? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hit a, a couple points. And thank you, too, for introducing me in that way. It was, it was very humbling. Um, but yeah, no, I, I grew I'm the oldest of five boys. I grew up in Norwalk, Connecticut. I was a part of, you know, a, in a low-income area. And being in a low-income area, father made academics priority number one. And each season there was to play a sport, I played a sport. That way, it's just any idle time that I had to, you know, just be outside and maybe be up to no good, he wanted to limit that. And so with a combination of succeeding in both academically, athletically, like some of the things you said, and I was able to go to a private school, um, and then I was able to then go to Boston College, a private school in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts, even though it says Boston College. And then on top of that, was able to you know, achieve post-grad educational success. And with a com- combination of all those things, I'm now entering my seventh season in the NFL, which is which is honestly a, a great thing to be able to achieve and looking forward to seeing how long this road takes me. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on all of your success. I'm curious to hear what other sports you played growing up. We, we, I have three children of my own, and we're trying to do the same idea with having them involved in sports close to year round, just to keep them busy and occupied while they also pursue their academics. Definitely, I played basketball growing up was my best sport. Uh, funny thing, because I'm not that good at basketball anymore. <laughs> so you know, my my friends growing up, they'll see me play basketball, and I'm like, man, what happened? I'm like, you know what? I think I figured it out, so I'll be all right. Um, but basketball, football, baseball, uh, towards the end of sports in high school, start playing lacrosse, which is you know the one sport I do miss. 
I'm always wanted to play hockey, but I guess it was a fortunate thing I wasn't able to because if I was able to play hockey, I don't think I would have ever started playing football. So uh, those are those are some of the other sports that I played um, and just going through certain experience. I was my eyes were open to things like going to private school, being able to play lacrosse and you know playing basketball all the way since I was a little kid. Yes. Well, my mother grew up in Natick, Massachusetts, and um, they were related to the the flute, not related by blood, but in the same neighborhood where that's where Doug Flutie grew up and he went off to Boston College. So uh, I'm sure at some point my mom will listen to this episode and be glad to be hearing from a Boston College um, guy. (laughs) For sure. So, Kevin, can you tell us how you and other athletes are trying to stay in shape when you can't access gyms and workout facilities? And more specifically, how do you stay ready to play football whenever it comes that the season's able to resume? You know, a, a lot of guys are in different circumstances at this time. Uh, to be specific to, you know, professional athletes in the NFL, you know, even though we kind of fall into the same umbrella and there's definitely some assumptions that come with that, you know, everybody's situation is different. You have guys that are a little, a little bit more financially set that, you know, have larger houses, maybe yards where they can mimic drills. They can mimic things that we'll do during, you know, during a time where we're usually practicing now. And then you have guys, you know, closer to myself, where my wife and I, where we're in an apartment, where outside isn't isn't as feasible for us. But you know, we do a lot of things indoors. So to be safe to myself, you know, a lot of resistance band training. Um, there's so many outlets now with YouTube, Instagram. You know, everybody's posting their own things. Um, I've been playing football since I was seven years old. So there's a plethora of of exercises that I've picked up along the way that we'll both do together. But I'll say the toughest thing is to mimic the field work where, you know, believe it or not, we're not all gym rats. You know, there's certain guys that really can't lift weights that that heavy. But when it comes to the game of football, they're able to do that. They would get on the field and run around, make cuts. And I would say at this time, that's the, the toughest thing to mimic. And everyone's finding their own ways to do such. Right. And, and so for you and, and, and your colleagues in the league, it, it's, it's a matter of trying to stay in football shape and not just, not just in shape, right? Exactly. I think that's perfectly put. If football shape is something different. That's why you, you might see a, a guy that can play an entire season and then get on a basketball court and, and is not able to, to play a, a full court game of basketball. There's two totally different muscles that you're working in. You know, being in basketball shape is different than football shape. Being in shape in general is different than being in football shape. So it's something that's difficult for a lot of guys. And most guys, I would say, are doing their best. But, you know, it's the ownership is really on the individual. So it, it depends on you know how bad you really want it during this time, because this is definitely adversity that a lot of people are facing right now. Right. And are you able to be in touch with your team's trainers and, and strength and conditioning coaches and things like that to, to help guide you in, in what is really an unusual time to try to stay in shape for your sport? Yes. You know, different different clubs uh, have their own set of rules and guidelines. Um, we have a general set of rules where how long we're able to meet. You know, it depends on if guys are close to facility. Certain clubs might allow, you know, uh, a person that just had an ACL tear, you know, one of the extremes to come in 
get limited work, have there only be one himself and another trainer in there, keeping the contact very limited for those extreme cases. But for everyone else, a lot of things is done virtually. So for myself, for example, I had a, a meeting with my rest of my linebacker group that I'm meeting for the first time because I just recently signed to the Washington Redskins, and we're going over film, we're, we're going over notes, you know, everybody's tuned in, which at this point in time, we're not affected too much. It's just the limited camaraderie that we have that we're going to have to build in a shorter frame of time. Um, but when it comes to the X's and O's, we're able to meet with people virtually, uh, communications more through email, um, text message. You know, a lot of us have to be on our devices a lot more often than we usually are. And I'm one of those that I try not to be on my phone um, when it comes to just texting and everything too much. So it's something that I have to remind myself to keep checking my text messages, my emails. Uh, but some guys are more accustomed, so it's not as much of a transition. Got it. Thank you for clarifying that too, because in my mind, when I was asking the question, it was more a matter of, do you have that virtual access to your trainers? And I wasn't even thinking about those high acuity needs like the ACL tear that you mentioned. So, um, so I'm glad to hear though, that you have the support to have people kind of helping you with, with your workouts. Do you have any tips for our audience about how to stay healthy during this pandemic or even workout tips for high school and collegiate athletes who are trying to stay ready to compete? In my opinion, I think the best thing during this time is to create a routine. Um, and what's tough about creating a routine is a lot of times you need the time to make the small adjustments with it, to really sit back and, okay, did today work? Was I as efficient as I should have been today? Unfortunately, unfortunately, during this time, we have the time to do such. So I would say stay close to whatever regiment you had before. Is it, you know, for myself, I'm on the West Coast. However, I keep myself on East Coast time. So I make sure I'm, I'm up three hours. You know, whenever I need to be up on the East Coast, I'm up on the West Coast. Um, things with, you know, I make breakfast. I, you know, I work out, you know, with, with the limited resources that I have. Um, work out, then, you know, I might eat again. I'll keep the, the regimen the same. I'll say for myself and the rest of my friends, the best thing we've been doing is keeping whatever schedule we can be close to that. And one point that I mentioned earlier, um, you know, there's YouTube, there's Instagrams, there's a lot of people right now posting tips, um, different things to do throughout the day. Um, there's meditation that you can do that I'm, I'm big on, you know, mindfulness reading. We have the time to do things that we've always made excuses for. So now this is the perfect time to really look in the mirror and, and reevaluate yourself and say, are you the person that you believe that you were? Because before there, you didn't have the time, supposedly. Now you do. So now what's your excuse? And I say these things because these are things that I've gone through as well, where I reevaluate myself. There's some things that I had to call myself on. You know, okay, well, I have to be better when it comes to X, Y, and Z. Okay, actually, I'm fine when it comes to this. But a couple of these things I really need to look at. Um, and then relying on your support, even though a lot of us can't contact each other, you know, physically, there's a lot of people that still want to communicate and talk. And this is a perfect time to get around and talk to one another and really learn about, you know, your friend, your teammate that you're going to see, uh, see what he or she is going through, uh, different co-workers. There's so much to do. You just have to pick what's right for you. And everybody's situation is different. Right. You, you bring up a, a couple of really good points with within what you just said. One is 
that deep human need for connection and communication. And much of that is cut off in this, you know, social distancing and kind of quarantining era where we can't be with the people that we normally want to, but there's, it's a good opportunity and we need to remind ourselves to pick up the phone or, or get on FaceTime or however it is that you want to communicate with teammates and loved ones and relatives and friends. Um, this idea of, of developing routines. Uh, I actually talked with a psychologist on one of the other episodes and he was talking about how important it is for children in this environment who are at home and not in school to, to establish routines for them. And, and I think adults can probably learn something from that idea too. Uh, and, and then the other idea of, you know, this is a really unique time where we have uh, many of us have time on our hands that we haven't had. Yes. And it is an opportunity to take up a new hobby or learn something new or, you know, commit to an exercise regimen if you haven't been doing that before. Um, but to really step back and, and do this thoughtfully. So thank you for bringing up those um, very good points. Um, this next question that I have for you, uh, you alluded to it a little bit earlier, and it is many people perceive that professional athletes are set financially. And in reality, many are on rookie salaries or, or rookie contracts or are on year to year contracts and then have to pay a lot of people around them like agents trainers, nutritionists, publicists, um, and that all comes out of that salary. Can you break down for us what the kind of the life of a, a typical, you know, it's hard to say typical because there's Tom for Brady sure. and then there's a rookie in the league, but can you break down for us what all of this really looks like? Yeah, and it, it slowly gets back to the point, you know, everyone's situation is different. You know, ultimately, uh, professional athletes, you know, NFL players to be specific are, paid very well, especially for those that can make it through an entire season. However, uh, the number that the public sees is definitely not what it truly is. You know, after taxes, you know, this thing like jocks tax, where we, we, we get taxed every state that we play in. So, you know, if I'm playing for the Seattle Seahawks and we go to California and play the Giants, you know, uh, the, the 49ers, excuse me, switching sports here, who's played a 49ers, we're going to California taxes and there's agent fees, uh, there's union dues, you know, the, the list goes on. So uh, it's it's kind of like a, a running joke in a locker room. You can see when a, a rookie first, when he sees his first check and you see that glow in his eyes, he think like, man, this is what this, this magical number is going to be. And then after everything gets broken down, the reality starts to set in. Um, but from there, ultimately it's, it's, it leads into a point where, unfortunately, a lot of guys mismanage their money. One thing is, you, under the old CBA, we just agreed upon a new CBA. We only teams only paid you during the season, so you're having a lot of uh, young guys, which you don't know what their situations are, expecting this paycheck every one to two weeks based on the payment schedule on the team. Next, you know, you get into the off season and time during now where they're expected to get this income. You know, they might have, based on the situation, once again, not been taught the proper ways to save uh, things about, you know, filing taxes. When when that time comes around, I've had a couple teammates who spent a large sum of money forgetting about taxes. And next thing you know, they realize they have to pay taxes. They thought there was money that they were going to get back. You know, I've, I've gone through the... Um, Example of I had one teammate who played an entire season, 
by the start of the next season, he only had $5,000 to his name, which is still a good amount of money. However, to be a professional athlete, to play an entire season, there's no excuse to, to get to that point. Um, but with that being said, it's, it can hit certain people during this time tougher because of how they manage their money. Um, but on the bright side, silver lining to everything that's going on is a lot of guys don't have the opportunity to go spend money, go to clubs, um, you know, buy a ton of expensive clothing, go on these trips. Everyone's locked in. So you know, seeing family, now you're getting to your core, your the closest family members that you do have instead of distant relatives and uncles may be asking for, you know, help with this or this business idea that might not fall through. Um Honestly, I can go on a list of a bunch of examples, but ultimately what the public sees is not what the number is. And we still have a problem with a lot of athletes not knowing how to manage their money at this point in time. As you said, there's a lot of rookies on rookie salaries, and then there's veterans on minimum contracts that may not have realized, you know, football doesn't last forever. And this money that they have now has to be able to propel them to something else and this won't last in the rest of their lives unlike the tom brady's unlike the russell wilson's and you know the richard sherman's which i i call the the top percent right i appreciate your perspective on that i there was a lot in there that i didn't even know to ask you about about the you know paying taxes in each state and having to not having your taxes withheld and having to be ready to pay for that and having to budget throughout, you know, being paid during the season and, and then having to budget for, for the entire off season. So I, you know, I think it's just good for us. You know, we're all in different situations and you never know what shoes somebody else is walking in. So it's just good to share this type of information. Kevin, what are you hearing through your networks about when NFL training camps and games might be able to start again? Is there any guidance at all at this point? Uh, the, I would say the consistent guidance of, across the league is you know, just to to be ready and be prepared when things do start up. Um, no, no one knows ever, the coaches, the org- a lot of organizations have been, which is honestly a breath of fresh air, very honest with us when it comes to it, saying that they they are unsure what's going to happen. They, they, they're not sure what the future will be like when it comes to when we will be able to start. However, each team is taking the step they deem, deem, deem necessary to, you know, start player now with, the virtual meetings that we're having, uh, being in constant contact with whoever you might need on a coaching staff. I can talk about the trainers, um, the athletic trainers and the strength staff. They're sending out emails. You know, these are uh, equipments that we can get. Maybe we have a discount with this company. You know, they're being as helpful as they can to make sure that once we start up, we don't miss as many steps as we could have. Science, 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 science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes. Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes, yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. 
the Mad Scientist Podcast. Yeah, it, there's just so much uncertainty, even from a science and medical standpoint, that it, um, we're all just kind of in this waiting game. What are your thoughts about possibly restarting NFL games without fans in attendance? It's, it's definitely an interesting topic, and I, I bet there's definitely going to be a, a lot of a, the difference in opinions when it comes to it. But, you know, ultimately, the, I would definitely say the game is is not the same without the fans. You know, you have a, a lot of people that's invested so much into the organization they choose to chair for. People make people, families come together during, you know, these Sundays, Thursday night, Monday nights, friends, family. Um, you know, people make trips out of it weeks. And so that aspect of the game would definitely be missed. However, I think it is something that could be done. And truly it would be for the fans, for those people that support us each game that we play. You know, we, a lot of teams already do their best to mimic gameplay during practice. You know, you have some teams that will bring in loud speakers and will play loud crowd noise. Um, you'll have some teams that's playing music. So we're, we're creating our energy that the fans usually give us. But I'll say the only difference would be between the whistles, the games wouldn't change. Because for us, once that ball snaps, I'm pretty certain that each and every one of us kind of black out in a sense. And we just we go with the flow of the game. But it's once that whistle is blown, that's when everything reality hits and we can hear the fans cheering, um, booing if, if you're on the opposing team, you know that part of the game would definitely be missed and would be, it would be something that the players would look forward to if that can resume. But as, as when it goes to just continuing play without the fans, it could be done. But if we don't have to, I know the players definitely would want the fans in the stands for sure. Right. And, you know, we keep hearing this in, in various leagues about, well, can the teams play with no fans in attendance and it just seems to me, you know, when you're looking at the science behind this, if it's not safe for the fans to be mm. in attendance, like we have to look out for the safety of the athletes too. It's and very you know, true. You're, 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 you're in closer contact than the fans are because you're hitting and touching and tackling each other. And we need to make sure that that is a safe situation and be thinking big picture here. And yeah, no, I, we'll, we'll see. I definitely think you brought up a good point because as just talking about continuing to play, I myself just got focused into playing. I wasn't thinking about the health risks. And that's something that we do have to be aware of. Like myself as a player, I thought, oh, I, I hear we can play again. Let's play. We even though we're doing it for the fans and everyone that supports us, automatically I I almost skipped, okay, what about myself and my family? What am I putting at risk with joining? So, and that's another side of thing that you perfectly put where you know some of us can rush into these decisions so quickly. And then soon forget, all right, what's the risk that we are taking? You know, what's the benefit of this? What's the risk that we're taking? I thank you for uh, bringing that up. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I want to shift gears just a little bit <clears throat> here. We've been talking about professional sports, and now maybe we'll talk a, a little bit about high school and, and collegiate athletics and, and maybe even Olympics. So some winter and spring athletes really need this season to help their development to become noticed, to be recruited for the sports they play. How do you see this pandemic affecting them? During this time, those are, when it comes to athletes, those are the people I've thought of the most 
the high school winter and spring athletes and some falls as we're kind of trickling into the fall time now uh, when it comes to preparing to perform. Um, and then you have the college people because, you know, you had I was a person that was very fortunate when it came to recruiting. I was committed before my junior year of high school football started. I knew exactly where I was going. That was in the back. That reality is not the same for everyone. For a vast majority, guys don't get their their scholarship offers or their potential looks until later in their high school career, senior senior year, or maybe the end of the senior year. And for a lot of guys, they don't blossom until this period. I have teammates that I play with now in the NFL who didn't really figure things out until their senior year of high school or their senior year of college. Now this, this is a missed opportunity when it comes to being able to get those looks, you know, and not everyone's going to make it into the NFL or to play professional in their sport. But these are still opportunities to allow you to attend a college that you might not have been able to go to, you know, to meet and bump shoulders with people that you'll meet 10 years down the road. Hey, I I remember you on the visit, you know, um, you have basketball athletes that, you know, get a chance to visit a program and, they get a a scholarship offer based on these visits. And during this time, those are people that's definitely hurt because these are, you know, the people, the kids are our future um, when it comes to things, when it comes to athletics. And it's tough to tell someone who's worked so hard that they can't get an opportunity that they would have gotten if this wasn't going on. Honestly, and and it's just, it's just tough. Yeah. That's tough. And seeing these high school and, college players who've, who've dedicated their whole, you know, high school or college careers to, to it, and then not be able to play in their senior year games and go through graduation. It's really, some of this is quite heartbreaking. Um, so thinking about the, these people who are like late blossomers or late bloomers who, you know, are developing in their senior year of high school and, and looking into college level, um, can you share your thoughts about how this might affect those athletes who could potentially miss out on opportunities to pursue walk-on spots or even receive partial or full scholarships? Yes. Um, it's recruiters. They'll get the tip, the, the bulk of the recruiting done early. And then as you know, as you know, the let's call them the top recruits, you know, finalize where they want to go. There's going to be teams with, you know, uh, financial aid money. If it's not a division one program, um, there's going to be extra scholarship, um, slots left over. And so these are once again, opportunities that someone can potentially receive based on how they perform this season. You know, uh, a lot of times the top recruits can kind of take a lot of the steam out and then coaches will then reshuffle and go back through film. Oh, Hey, I actually didn't get a chance to see this him or her play. Um, and so they're, they're definitely affected because now coaches aren't able to go on recruiting trips and see these kids in person, see how they interact with their teammates. If there was a question on, you know, how, how they got along with the coaches, if there was a question on how they did academically, coaches now can't do the needed research they can to really put their, their neck on line when they go into these meetings, like, Hey, this is a great kid. I talked to his, his or her teachers. They all said great things about it. I know we had a question about X, Y, and Z, but digging into it more is definitely a misunderstanding. Um, a lot of things can go on during these visits and being able for, to watch these kids while they perform, and now they don't have the opportunity. Once again, the, the kids that are hurt the most are those that 
didn't bloom until later on, which there's a lot of them that just couldn't figure things out for their own reasons. And honestly, it just boils down to that. It's, it's just tough. I, it's, it's an area where I definitely don't have much answers for, and it's just very unfortunate. It is. It is. I, I don't think any of us really have answers for some of this, and, you know, especially not knowing what the timeline looks like. So what I, I'm curious, shifting back to kind of the idea of moving from one level to the next, yeah. how will this pandemic affect the NFL draft this year? You know, that it sounds like it's going to be all virtual, but maybe you could take us through how draft prospects are able to be invited to work out for and visit with NFL teams and how this might affect the players who are hoping to be drafted. Yes. Fortunately, the the NFL combine was still was not was able to not be affected by the COVID-19. So those selected players weren't affected too much because at the combine, this is where you do your your uh, your physicals and they check, you know, if you have a knee problem or if you do have a knee problem, hamstring, the list goes on and on. Because one thing we always say is uh, one thing that's certain in the NFL and just playing sports is you will be injured at some point. You might go through your career with maybe just a hamstring, but something will happen, you know, and, and that's why it was so important to prepare in this off season. That's very important. But uh, at the combine, you know, you have the drills, you have the meetings with the coaches late at night. Uh, um, you have pretty much every resource they can throw at you. They will to determine, okay, are these kids people that we can invest in now during this time, it makes it tougher to invest in those you don't have as much information on. So there's only a select couple of guys that can go to the combine. The rest coaches have to go to their pro their pro day. Coaches have to visit their schools. Some even go as deep as visiting high schools. The process is similar to what it was in high school, but now it's under a bigger magnifying glass. Um, a lot of draft picks after the combine can also be invited to respective ball clubs. I believe a team can invite 30, 30 players. And, and this is a time where coaches, you know, get to, to know you more, even for players, they get to realize, okay, man, if this team drafts me or picks me up, I'll really enjoy it. I like the area. Not only the players find out a lot, but the coaches find out a lot and draft picks move up and down a lot of times based on these visits as well. So now excluding that, I would say definitely the draft won't be the, what the draft turns out to be this year would not have been the same if we were able to take these visits, if uh, teams were able to do further research into guys. And once again, the people that hurt the most are guys that didn't blossom until later on that the coaches need to do a little bit more um, research and, and find out, Oh, Hey, actually this guy is someone we would like to invest on. We didn't have him high on our radar in the beginning, but he's someone we've realized that is something, someone of me that can earn a potential spot here and all that's effective. And, and, you know, when it comes to the NFL, all it really is are guys that were able to take advantage of their opportunity when the opportunity was given. Any player can tell you there's a ton of guys that we call on the streets that can play in, on Sundays right now. But unfortunately, when that opportunity was given, if it was given, they weren't able to take advantage of it in that small window. Now the small window is even smaller because the opportunities are less now. Right. Yeah. They may not even, they may not have the same opportunity because they're not being seen or don't have a chance to meet the coaches or showcase themselves in these other venues. Yes. Um, 
Kevin, when we were setting up this interview, you shared some thoughts about Olympic athletes. And we know that the Tokyo Olympics have been pushed back at least a year. Can you share your thoughts about these athletes who've trained their entire lives for this opportunity and, and how they're being affected? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how we were you know, talking about opportunity in the small window that there is. And when it comes to Olympics, as a lot of people know, that window is even smaller. For some of these athletes, this is their one chance that they will be able to perform. Because based on the scheduling, you know, there's a, a plethora of younger, fresher athletes coming up. And it's tough to have worked for one thing and be so specific and diligent and so tough on their routine that they can't actually perform and showcase the world their skills. You know, it's sometimes we talk about fairness, but you know, what, what fairness is that? Um, and it was, it's just very unfortunate. So how, how do you talk to someone that's waited their entire lives for one moment? And that one moment was taken from them when they had it. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine that's um, yeah, that's just a super tough situation and hopefully we'll get back on track and at least most of them will get that chance, but it's um, you're, you're right. That that's their, that's their shot. Um, Kevin, I've been asking each of our guests if they would like to give a shout out to any small businesses or restaurants in their communities with the idea that this pandemic is affecting everyone and a lot of small businesses are really suffering and the, the owners of those businesses and all the people who work for those businesses are really relying on the businesses to be able to function in order to have the income and support their families. And so if there's any restaurants where you might want to encourage people to go do some takeout just to get them through this tough time or a small business is there any place in your community that, that you'd like to give a mention to? And we'll get that into the show notes and out to social media as well to try to give them a little bump in their business. Definitely. I'll say for starters, I think it's great if everyone just uses the resources they have, like Google, uh, Yelp, um, you know, you, you have Uber Eats. You have, the, we live in a day and age where so much is at our fingertips, literally, to search and see what's open. You have the time now to to call if you're unsure if a place is open or not, if they're taking, if they're um, taking takeout orders, call them. If you don't get an answer, it's okay. You can try again. Um, so I'll say you first and foremost, use the resources that you do have to support the businesses around you. Now for me to be specific two that I love uh, that you can help out. One is called Vino at the Landing and that's in Renton, Washington. It's right next to the movie theater for people that live around. They're a great place. Um, they, you know, expensive menu, expansive menu, not expensive. Um, they have great wine, you know, great people. You know, there's, it's a place that when I came back to Washington, it's the first place I went to grab something to eat. Um, they're a bit of a smaller business, but, you know, they're having deals on wine. If wine is a drink of your choice. Once again, they have everything. If you're gluten sensitive, you can go there and grab something to eat. Vegetarian, vegan, they can adjust whatever you need. They can make the adjustment for you. The cooks there are amazing. And I know um, some animal shelters, because you know, adopting animals and animals are something that's close to my heart, are allowing people to foster animals. So if you can and you have the resources to be able to do so and can be responsible with, I would definitely say reach out to your local animal shelter and 
see if they're allowing people to sponsor because these places take a lot of donations is a time where now they're not able to work at to the capacity that they're usually able to work to. So fostering an animal for a month or two or however long things go on uh, would be very grateful and helpful. And you never know, you could actually, you know, find your long lost pal in the process as well. So that wouldn't be a, a bad thing. Outstanding. Uh, we will make sure that Vino at the landing gets into the show notes. And I think your thoughts on the animal shelter are, are just really great. Um, Kevin, I want to thank you on behalf of the podcast and on behalf of the audience for taking the time out of your day and out of your workouts and, and busy life to give us a look into what your world looks like and how athletes are trying to get through this pandemic, just like everyone else. And, and also thinking about all the other athletes who are missing opportunities and, and having their lives kind of changed, whether that's high school or right on up through the pros um, so we thank you, um, stay safe. We wish you all the best for this upcoming season, whenever that is. Um, but really appreciate your time and your thoughts. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and once again, thank you for creating a, a platform to, you know, exchange information and, and give something, give people something to listen to during this time. That's all not just news, news, news thrown into their face. Um, thank you. Absolutely. The goal is credible information to overcome some of uh, the distortions that happen in the news. So I appreciate you saying that. All right, Kevin, have a good rest of the day and uh, be safe. Okay. All right. You as well. Thank you. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. If you have questions about COVID-19 that you'd like discussed on the podcast, send an email to info at arslanga.media. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Be vigilant, but remain calm. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.